Good afternoon, NBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, I have some merchandise for sale. If you'd like to support my work, please check out the shop. We have stickers for sale, and we have uh, shirts and hoodies with the first 50 guests, and that includes our final 50th guest, Mr. J.P. Meyer. J.P. Meyer has been the resident music director for the Dutch Apple Dinner Theater since 2014 with responsibilities including rehearsing and conducting all musical performances, contracting the orchestra, and completing any orchestration or musical needs of the production. In in conjunction with his residency, J.P. is also the music supervisor, coordinator, contractor for Apex Touring LLC that produces non-equity national and international tours, including Pippin, Finding Neverland, and The Wizard of Oz. JP also serves as the organist and choir director at Old Zion Lutheran Church in Philadelphia, PA, and he graduated from Millsville University with, in 2005 with a BSE in music education. Be sure to check out the Dutch Apple Theater at their website, the Dutch App, or no, www.dutchapple.com. JP, how are you doing today? Good, Corey. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm really excited uh, because I've never had a, a resident music music director on the show, and I'm really curious how your life ended up to because there's a lot of steps in yeah. order to become a person who can contract an orchestra from just a little child. You, <laughs> you would think so, but it's actually learn as you go. A lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah. Sort of. Um, so tell me know, how it started. Well, it started for me. I. Uh, as most musicians start, I started in fourth grade playing trombone. They kind of pulled me down to a room, said, you want to play something? I said, yeah. And the uh, music teacher then was Dr. Madden. He said, your arms are pretty long, so why don't you play trombone? <laughs> that's important and, quality. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I did. And I played trombone all the way through college. That was my major instrument in college. Um, I played piano, too, since I was five or six years old. Um, but piano took a little bit of a backseat once I got to college because the major performing instrument was trombone. Um, but after that, I started doing a lot of music theater outside of music, uh, being a music teacher. <clears throat> and uh, it's interesting the things you're not taught in college and the things you learn as you Absolutely. go through your career. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of started as uh, up at EPAC. I, I played piano for a production. Uh, and, and the season after, they asked if I wanted to music direct something. So I decided to music direct something. Uh, I think that was You're in Town. And then from there, I just kept music directing and playing and music directing and playing uh, until it came to a point where the Dutch Apple had an opening and I applied for it and interviewed for it and everything. And the rest is history. Wow. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty straight line, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's in retrospect, it's been a pretty straight line. Lots of ups and downs in there. But yeah. Right. It's always funny when you when you're in the moment, it's never straight line. But yeah. when, once you're there and you can look back like, oh, I see the I see the connection. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about the, like you said, you, has, you uh, learned some stuff outside of college that you didn't learn in college. What mm-hmm. are some of those things? Well, you know, as a music, uh, a music major, you learn the basics of pretty much everything. You learn the theory, you learn the conducting, you learn the instruments, you learn how to teach the pedagogy of everything. But then when you actually get in a room with a bunch of musicians and you have to figure out exactly what they're looking for to make music happen and mm-hmm. keep a two and a half hour long show going... Uh, that's the stuff you kind of learn on the fly and you kind of develop your own conducting style and your own way of teaching music to actors and musicians. And yeah, you just try to have fun the whole time, which has kind of been my overriding principle. It's, if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. Hmm. That's fair enough. So how'd you get the, 
tell me some of some about the epoch training or epoch directing that you did some of the uh shows some of the quirks some of the fun <laughs> stuff you had to do or uh so epac is a great place and for all your listeners and people viewing at home if you've never seen a show up epac do definitely it. go see it um my friend uh john brackbill who was also a music teacher at the time he still is a music teacher um but he called me i was my first year teaching uh and it was in the fall so kind of early on in my very early on in my teaching career i was kind of getting ready for the day and he called me and he said hey look i'm i'm music directing a show up at epac and i really need a piano player and i i remembered in the middle of the night that you play piano player and would really love to have you be the rehearsal piano player for the rehearsals and then play in the pit as well and i said i don't know you know what kind of time commitment are we talking about? And it's like, oh, you know, nights and weekends and that kind of thing for a couple months. And then the show's yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let me let me think about it and get back to you. He's like, well, you know, it starts tonight. So I, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> I, I kind of need an answer. And I'm like, well, let, let me think about it, you know, because I'm, I'm just getting ready to start the day. And throughout the day, he kind of threw me text messages and emails. Hey, you know, I'll drive you. Hey, we'll get dinner together. You know, it's, it's a really fun time. It'll be fun. And I, I agreed. I said, fine. Yep. And that night he, we went together, he picked me up after school and we went up there and, uh, got, I think we stopped at Wawa, <laughs> which is right there outside of Ephrata. And, uh, yeah, the rest, the rest was history. We started, you know, I just played piano while he conducted the, uh, the people. And I learned a lot from him as a music director. Yeah. Um, cause he, he's just an absolutely amazing musician. John Brackbill is. And the way he was able to, to communicate, to community members who maybe don't have the best music reading skills mm. um, and just put the whole show together was really great. And uh, the show was Man of No Importance, which was a, it's a beautiful show, um, very rarely produced, but it's a beautiful, beautiful show. And I got to meet a lot of really wonderful people there that I still know and cherish to this day. Ed Fernandez, the artistic director up there, uh, has been a very close friend of mine for years and years now. I mean, I think we've known each other almost 20 years at this point. Oh, wow. Um, and, and like I said, after that show, John and I kind of sat down with them uh, in a meeting and he asked if, you know, John wanted to music direct and if I wanted to keep playing piano. And then he asked me if I wanted to music direct something. And I said, sure, I would love to because I had music directed uh, once on this island in college. Uh, Millersville has a all student organization that puts on a show every year oh. um, outside of the theater department. It's just kind of a student cool. group. Yeah. Um, and I had been involved. We we did a production my first year there, I was in the pit for The Wiz, and then the next year after that was Pippin, and then my junior year was Once on This Island, mm. and I music directed that one, and the minute I started conducting an actual performance with the pit in front of me and the actors on stage, I knew I wanted to be doing that kind of thing, regardless of what I did as a job. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when someone asked me, Hey, would you be interested in music directing something? I of course said yes. And then that's when I started at EPAC music directing. Um, and I was there for 10 seasons, I think. And just, I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to go through all the shows. I mean, oh, maybe two or three shows a year, at least, uh, some years four. Um, and it, it was a great time. And I've, I did all that while I was teaching. So it was like teach during the day and go up and do rehearsals at nights and on the weekends. And at the meantime, I've been playing at church since I was about 21, 22 years old. I took the full contract there, so going back and forth to Philly every week. Right. Um, so it's been busy, busy. And then, you know, the Dutch Apple came along, and I had a lot of credits and a lot of years as a music director under my belt at that point, and it was a really good fit. Um, 
I met with uh, Lauren Sobin, who's our artistic producer mm. there, artistic director, and Will Prather, who's our executive producer and the owner of the Dutch Apple and also the uh, Broadway Palm down in Florida. Yeah, and right. great interview. And a couple weeks later, I knew, and it was a full time position and salary benefits, the whole nine. And I, I took the risk and I changed up the career, and here I am. It's incredible how on the fly some of the some of the jobs you can get as a musician really are. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I I played in an open mic, and um, I was just playing out. There's a piano, you know, in the city. There's pianos everywhere. And I was just playing outside on the piano, and a guy has come up to me and said, "Hey, can you play this song? All right, we're gonna pl- we're gonna do a gig in like five minutes." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah, I got paid." Go. <laughs> it's it's crazy how quickly stuff. And granted, that's that's on a smaller scale than than. Hey, can you play? Can you direct this this choir yeah, with, the, yeah. with the piano? But yeah. uh, it, it happens all the time, and and mm-hmm. pe- it's it's so funny how uh, you can go to a show that you won't know has been just thrown together at a, at a moment's notice mm-hmm. and it's perfect yeah. well Almost. musicals are rarely thrown together at oh, a moment's of course. Notice. oh of course <laughs> in fact they take a ton of work it's they funny yeah. uh when i was at epac and you know i haven't been there for a few years but i'm pretty sure that this structure is kind of the same they take a, a pretty long time to rehearse a show because they have to do nights and weekends because people right. are community members they have other jobs um so they rehearse for maybe you know a month or two and then they have tech for a week or two, and then they open a show and run for three weekends. At the Dutch Apple, uh, I got there and I said, because I'm used to, at EPAC, I was used to having, you know, a, a week or two of nights mm-hmm. to learn all the music. And I first question I asked was, well, how much time do I have to teach the music for the show? And they said, uh, the first day. <laughs> the, the actors usually show up. Um, our first day of rehearsal starts, you know, 10 in the morning with kind of a, you know, welcome meeting and a tour of the facilities and everything like that. And a, maybe a read through of the mm-hmm. script for everybody, like a table read. Uh, and then the rest of that day is just music. Wow. And we, we I kind of have to hammer through the score. Now the actors, you know, they're professional actors. Uh, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they come prepared. You know, I really just have to teach part assignments. I'm not so much teaching how to sing or anything like right, that. Right, of course. And I, uh, I'm sure your ability of sight reading has just skyrocketed. <laughs> yeah, sight reading. Well, we get the scores well in advance. Oh, okay. And and part of my process as a music director is to sit with the score and kind of go through it and learn what I need to learn and, and make a plan for how to effectively get through that rehearsal process without too many bumps or bruises for everyone involved. Um, so the only times I really have to sight read is if we have like a local audition and mm-hmm. someone just brings in a, a number and slaps it in front of me and says, here, I'm starting here and ending here and go play. Um, but yeah, you know, sight reading is definitely an important part. Oh, for sure. Uh, that was my biggest struggle. Uh, whenever I was like co-music directing as like an internship, I was like, I can play piano, but sight reading, mm. that's a monster in of its own, uh, accord. Yeah. Nonetheless, having to be competent at piano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a musical score, which yeah. is all over the place. And and I've always said this. I am not the world's best pianist right. ever in, on the history. I didn't study piano in college or anything like that. Um, the job has definitely helped me develop my piano skills. Definitely a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a struggle. And, you know, you, you have to – it's not just like playing a song that you maybe know or people know, but all the dance breaks and stuff like that. You need to be able ramps. to kind of – comp through understanding how dialogue works and vamps yeah. and underscoring and you know there's a lot to a musical theater piece that doesn't really exist outside Elsewhere. of that yeah no it's it it's 
and whether if it's through composed or mm. there's actual like reprises which mm-hmm. make it easier yep. on some level sometimes sometimes they like to throw little curveballs at the reprise too but yeah so tell me what is it like to do that all the time do you have to I'm sure there's a lot of burnout that can come from that, especially when Tech Week hits. Yeah, uh, it, it can be stressful. It's it's a big time commitment. Uh, you spend a lot of time in prep work, doing doing getting things kind of sorted out. Uh, the rehearsal process uh, it can be long, uh, especially because at the Dutch Apple, we're often performing one show while rehearsing the next. Oh yeah. So we'll be going, you know, me, the stage manager. Uh, other people, and sometimes even the actors are in crossover. They'll be in one cast, but they're preparing the, preparing the next show. So we'll start at 10 in the morning or 9 in the morning and then go until noon if we have a matinee, have a quick lunch, perform the show we have up on the stage already, and then come back, rehearse some more for a couple hours, then go back at night and do the show that we've been performing again. That's crazy. And we just do that for about 10 days is our rehearsal process. We start on a Thursday and then that kind of finishes up by the following Friday where we have a designer run where all the, the lighting and sound people can come and watch the show. Uh, and then we have usually a day maybe off, Saturday or Sunday, maybe two days. And then the next week, that weekend, the show that's performing closes. And the next week, Monday, we go into tech for the next show. And on Thursday night, we usually have a preview. And then Friday night, we open and we do it all again. And the show runs for, you know, between six and eight weeks. And then the next show starts rehearsing at the end of that process. And it loop-de-loops. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun. I have a blast. It's, <laughs> it's easy to get sucked into the work. Because you're, oh, t- yeah. I mean, you know, going from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. Yeah. You know, 12-hour shifts. Yeah. 12-hour shifts plus, you know, plus- prep work and everything like that. So it, it can get busy. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure. Do you ever get sick and tired of shows? Uh, you know, most shows are, are a joy to work on. There are some shows that you don't prefer. <laughs> I give guess. me an example. Oh, I can't give you an example. I mean, there's. Uh, I I'm not a big fan of like the older Golden Age shows, like Rogers and Hammerstein. No. No, I mean I like them for what they are. I was supposed to say you're speaking heresy. Yeah, I, I know her- <laughs> I mean, the shows are great. Like, it's it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful thing, especially when they do these big revivals. Like, Lincoln Center loves doing, like, you know, big revivals. Like, right now, they're doing Music Man. Yeah. I guess that's not Lincoln Center, but, you know, Music Man is up. And it's a wonderful thing to go and see that show in all its glory and see it once. <laughs> um, but for me to, like, kind of, you know, conduct that show over and over again for eight weeks, eight times a week, you know, it can get a little grindy. Um, but you really take joy in the people you're working with. I love the musicians I work with. We have a pretty steady group of musicians. Um, and our drummer is also on staff. He's a house drummer, so he's mm. always there. Um, he's a great friend of mine, Brandon Miller. If you're listening, Brandon, shout out to you. Um, and the rest of the musicians are great. The actors are great. Um, a lot of times we'll have actors that come back for multiple contracts, so I get to see them kind of come and go. Um, and some of our actors go on and they take equity cards and they go on to Broadway and do really cool things. And I get to stay in touch with those kind of people. That's fun. Uh, and then the rest of the staff there at the Dutch Apple, I, I love working with from the front of house staff that I get to talk to every day. Uh, the service staff, uh, the kitchen staff. There are a lot of fun back there. I always sh- say hi to the chef when I come in. Um, and uh, our stage management 
our stage manager, Ryan, our sound designer, Emily, who's back there doing the sound and lights for the, every show. We have a really tight-knit little community going on there. That, and it has to be. Yeah, and we, sure. really, we really have a fun time together. That's awesome, because w- without that, the show would suffer. Yeah, sure. For, yeah. That's... It sounds like a lot to navigate in the high stress situation though. <laughs> yeah, and we get mad at each other too. I mean there's oh, been sure. there's been plenty of arguments and, and, and harsh words spoken uh in private and in public, you know. But these things happen when you're dealing with artistics. You know, we have differences of, of opinions. Doing twelve hours a day. Yeah. Listen, if you're gonna twelve spend twelve hours a day, multiple days with anybody, you're gonna get mad at them. Yeah, for sure. But uh in the end we all come together and we always get the show up. And the show it's runs, a good time. and it's a good time, especially like you know a show like Little Mermaid is just a blast to play. I was yeah. kind of worried because you know it's you know a cartoon Disney show, and right. but you know it's the music's really great. You, I mean, you can't beat the music. No, um, it's it's fun to play. The music keeps going, so there's not a lot of book scenes that you kind of oh, sit really? there. Yeah, no, it, it keeps going. There's very very few just straight book scenes in that show, oh. um, and it's the actors are great. The voices are great, and it's just, especially like the finale where everyone's singing the big choral numbers and stuff like that. Just being able to to be front and center for that every day is is really fun. That's something I have uh, not. What what is the word? I haven't expanded my repertoire. We'll put it that way into musical theater. Mm-hmm. So I, I I haven't seen a lot of musical theater, and people are like, "You haven't seen Pippin? You haven't seen? Uh, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen them Phantom of the Opera." That's how bad I am. Uh, I mean, yeah. I there there's certain if if you're gonna make a foray into music theater, there's certain shows you just kinda gotta see. To see. Um but the cool thing about music theater is there's kind of something for everyone. Oh, there is. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of history. Um it's been done for a long time, the, the stage performances. Um and you can find a show pretty much in any musical style you can think of now. And in any yes, I went to I went to New York City once, and uh, I saw on Broadway they were they were uh, advertising the musical Silence of the Lambs, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's that is a thing now. Uh, the movie musical and jukebox musical, those are big things now. I think I just saw an announcement that Back to the Future was coming to Broadway in 2023. That would be an interesting yeah. show. Yeah, would, I I saw how they did Aladdin with like like the the magic carpet, carpet. rides uh-huh. and like. That would be super cool to see, like, a DeLorean flying. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how they pull it off. I haven't heard too much about the show. I think it started in England. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the the stuff you can pull off in theater now, given the right tech, is crazy. I I, One of my uh, bucket list items is seeing The Lion King on Broadway Mm -hmm. and seeing, like, all the animals. and, and, And do you guys have costumes like that for The Little Mermaid? Uh, yeah, we definitely have the animal costumes. It's not Lion King is a little different because it's more puppeteering work, right? More puppeteering work. Yeah. Um, but you know, for sure, we have all the different fish going on, and the Mer sisters are you know trouncing around, and and some of the the eels and flounder are in heelys, so they can kind of float across <laughs> the stage. And we do have flying, you know, Ariel flies, and she looks like she's swimming, and that kind of thing, and and the uh, pel- so cool. uh, pelican, he's not seagull. seagull, yeah, scuttle. He flies around during the storm and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Marketing it to me. I'm going to see the show. <laughs> it's it's definitely worth getting tickets and coming down to see. So, how does? I guess you're not you're you you're not the. Uh, core, I guess that would be choreography mm-hmm. uh, more so than music. Um, but how? Hmm. What's the question I want to ask? <laughs> 
talking about tracks. Uh huh. You uh, you explain explain to me how your your sound system works for for the Dutch Apple Theater because you sure. s- you contract orchestras, but I also we we talked a little bit beforehand, but mm-hmm. you have uh, actual tracks as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the Dutch Apple, the the pit area is generally very small. Um, it's it's just a small little kind of six foot wide. 15, 20 foot long trench there mm-hmm. right in front of the pit. And we sit maybe six inches lower than the audience that's behind us. So we're just low enough to kind of be under the radar and, and, and heard and not seen. Um, but we generally fit uh, five people down there. Uh, it's almost always uh, a piano conductor and a drummer. Uh, and depending on the show, I'll, I'll switch up the instrumentation. So for instance, for Little Mermaid, uh, right now we're using a French horn, a trumpet, and a reed player who plays uh, clarinet, saxes, and uh, bass clarinet. Ooh. And um, the rest of the instrumentation, because there's I have 20 books, something like that in the orchestration, right. uh, I create uh, backing tracks, and we sequence that all out, and I kind of program it so that it can go and, and sound like a live orchestra kind of mixed in with the live players, so you get kind of a full presentation of the sound. Um of course, it's you know never a music director's preference to have to use tracks. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to have a you know twenty five thirty person orchestra at my disposal. That would, be <laughs> that would make life, you know, in some ways that would make life easier. In other ways, it would harder. make life harder. But um, it'd be a lot more fun. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it, it it's fun still. It's just fun in a different right, way. Right, right, yeah. Um, one thing you gain with using tracks is everything is sequenced and timed, and it's it's the same. It's, so you, yeah, you don't have a lot mistake. of inconsistencies yeah. are kind of fed away from that. Um, of course, then you run into problems like if the computer decides it's going to shut down or if the sound system decides to crash and tech stuff issues, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. Those always happen. But <laughs> if you have a live orchestra, those tech issues can happen too. Has that um, ever happened live? Oh, yeah, sure. Really? Oh, yeah. In, in fact, uh, it was just, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago, uh, there was a storm going on and we had a power surge. And everything in the theaters just kind of blinked off and on. And we got power right back, but the interference caused the uh, interface that's connected to the computer to to kill itself. So that stopped all the tracks from happening. It stopped some of our monitoring from happening. So we had to stop the show for a couple seconds just so we could get things back online. Um, And, you know, the lights thought it was good to go. But, of of course, there were some lights that didn't like getting power surged and they gave problems throughout the rest. Nothing that, you know, an audience member maybe have noticed, but... Those right. those things do happen, sure. And do you just have to stop the show? Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I mean, it, in a perfect world, you don't stop the show. Right, it's, of course. It, it's very rare that you stop the show. Um, a lot of times things will happen and, you know, something's gone awry. Someone skipped a vamp and I've had to kill out of the tracks and just play live with whoever I have at my disposal until we can get to a point where, it, you know, things can get up. up. Yeah. But, you know, that's what we do. And usually the audience is none the wiser. Of course. Um, yeah. And you can actually hear... If you ever look at like um, backstage interviews on Broadway when they talk to the musicians, there's always stories of something going horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Hamilton had a lot of uh, they have a lot of uh, they don't use so much backing tracks, but they use a lot of loops and sound effects and stuff that the drummers actually execute. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, they have plenty of stories where like they hit the pad and the pad doesn't work or they mishit it they or, it, yep. you know, and it's just it's, it's, so it's missing and you have to keep going and or the click is wrong and you have to kill the click and you know, everything like that. These things happen. Um, but you still try to you give the audience 
the best best performance possible given the circumstance. Right. It's it's so, and especially if you don't acknowledge the mistake, the audience you you got to realize that the audience has never seen the show yeah. ever. Well, they might <laughs> well, have seen the show. Seen they've uh, not, elsewhere. They've not seen our production. They've not. No, right. You know. And the thing I always try to remind myself when I make a mistake personally, like at the keyboard, which happens. It happens. You know, mistakes happen. Errors happen. Um, <laughs> you can't you can't worry about the audience thinking about it. One, because it happens so quick, and then you move on. Yep. Uh, two, no one has a score or a script out there. Nope. So <laughs> they're right. not they're not too worried about uh, what's going on, uh, except that they want to see a good show, and that's what we try to give them. Yeah, and besides, no one's going to remember that one moment yeah, unless no. if it's all god awful. Unless you let it snowball. Unless you let it yeah. snowball, right. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. Every theater, there's. I remember we were doing the producers up at EPAC, mm. um, and that was the producers is a huge show. It's really funny too. It, it's it's a lot of fun. That was one of the f- that was one of the funniest shows I've ever worked on in terms of just having a blast every night. But uh, two stories with that one tech story and one a, a music me story. The first, the, the, I think it was opening night or one of the earlier nights in the run. Uh, the the two leads went to come in through the office door and the office door just fell off its hinges <laughs> completely you know and i i couldn't see anything cuz we were kind of up and above the action but you know you hear the bang and the crash and they're trying to like walk around and of course like the audience is going to know when a door comes off a hinge but <laughs> that's something wrong you know you just keep going and you have you know you kind of make fun of it in your own way and you know stuff happens you know things fall off the stage right. costumes fall apart you know, these yeah. these things happen and usually no one really knows a discerning eye might catch it but um and then a me story uh for producers there's a lot of uh sound effects that are timed to music mm. and what we did at the time uh the sound designer gave me a, a little laptop next to my conducting station and he kind of hot keyed the different sound effects to different keys on the on the keyboard and when he first set it up he just had it set up as like you know the q w e r t y like really close right. together and it was it was uh, one that I had to do like the cash. It was the um, I want to be a producer number where they have the cash registers ringing and the sound and yep. all that stuff. And I'm going and I'm trying to conduct a full orchestra and wow. push these things oh, in time. Wow. And I went to do some kind of like a, a ring sound effect, and I ended up pushing the one that's like the the screaming cat for <laughs> later on in the show. So it's like ding, 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 bounce, <laughs> you know. And you just <laughs> and there's, you can't go back and take it back. The only thing you can do is just kind of move going. on. That's- um, but, you know, sometimes actors go up on lines or they, they skip whole scenes or they don't make an entrance or, you know, all kinds of crazy things can happen that the audience might not realize is a mistake. But you kind of have to react to and overcome. That's that uh, conducting exercise. Uh, when I did, I did, I was a drum major mm-hmm. and uh, for drum major academy, they had us do multiple things for conducting. Have you ever had to conduct uh Oppositional conducting, opposition, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. That was actually stuff we learned in uh, in classes at Millersville, how to conduct in three and two or three and four three at and the four. same time. Yeah, Draw I a did, circle and connect in four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I those are things that are good to kind of get your bearing as far as you know, using one hand to keep time steady and the other hand to cue and mm-hmm. and do dynamics and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I've never ever been in a situation where well, of course. one hand needs to conduct four and the other hand needs to conduct three to make something work otherwise it's party tricks (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah i mean you know that that kind of stuff gives you a good basis and it gives you an understanding of how you need to use your body in connection with the music and limb independence yeah sure yeah i i haven't realized how much limb independence is 
uh, how important it is in all aspects. Mm-hmm. I, I do swimming mm-hmm. uh, for my for my uh, day job, and you have to in order to float on your belly, on your oh well float on your back, you have to let go of your legs, and mm-hmm. that's so hard for yeah. some people to do. And uh, when it comes to like your music, I'm as an organ uh, player, mm-hmm. you have to have deal with contr- the pedals. Yeah, deal with the pedals. Deal with your hands and sometimes multi levels of keys. Yeah, the organ I have at my church is a uh, three manuals. Um, what does that mean? So a manual in organ speak is a, a keyboard desk. Okay. So basically, you have it. It what looks like three keyboards three stacked keyboards. right on top of each other, and then a, a pedal board that looks like another keyboard for your feet. Um. And, you know, while you're playing, you're also pulling out and pushing in stops, you know, making registration changes. You're reading three lines of music typically instead of just two that you're oh, used yeah. to. Yeah. Which actually has served me really great as a music director because most uh, scores, you'll have two lines for what you need to play on the piano. Right. And then yeah. you'll have at least one other line and sometimes even two that give you cues for what the vocalists are doing and what the other instruments are doing. So you kind of get a, you kind of nice. get used to reading yeah. everything. Yeah. And there's even some shows that you, um, conduct from an actual full score where you where you see all right. the instruments individually. Um, those things can get a little bit painful just because of page turns and stuff like that. But some people, w- if I'm straight conducting, if I don't have to play piano, I almost prefer the full score because then I can really drill down on what everyone's doing. Yeah. Uh, but as a you know piano conductor primarily at the Dutch Apple, um, that <laughs> that becomes somewhat unnecessary. So having a piano conductor score is great. So you can like from the piano. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Cr- have you ever seen Leonard Bernstein's? Uh, you know, uh, you know Leonard Bernstein. Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you know Gershwin's uh, Rhapsody in Blue? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen his Leonard? Rendi- Bern- yeah, Leonard Bernstein is a, is a phenomenal musician. I mean, and everyone kind of thinks, oh, he's a composer, he's a conductor, you know, that because that's how you kind of see right, him, especially yeah. historically. But he is a brilliant. Brilliant piano player, too. Brilliant piano player. I saw his rendition of uh, Rhapsody in Blue, and to conduct people yeah. from, with... He conducts with his eyebrows is the mm-hmm. joke, right? Yeah. I guess he's always doing everything else with Yeah, he eyebrows. was a very emotional uh, and physical conductor. I aspire yeah. to be like him. Yeah. For that, sure. I, the, I tend to be much more... Um, calm and sedate when I'm conducting. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to get overly flowery. Um, that's just not my style. Of course, you want to try to convey emotion and everything like right. that. But I, I, I have definitely been known to have that um, <laughs> RBF, that resting face that people yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that's that's part of the fun too. So yeah, every conductor f- kind of finds his own style. Yeah. yeah. So. Th- or her own style. Or her own style. Yeah, for sure. Uh, learning my own style was painful. Yeah. Because no. you have to, it's you have to learn. You have to watch. First off, you have to watch yourself, mm-hmm. which is painful for a lot of people mm-hmm. having to watch themselves and yep. hear themselves. And then you have to do it in the mirror mm-hmm. and in time, look at yourself and and realize you're doing something wrong, yeah. or doing something weird. And for the longest time, I didn't realize this, but I'd, I'd rock my body back and forth. Yeah. When I when I do conducting, and it looked wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah. And so my, my band director had to be like, Corey, you, you you have to stop. Yeah. You have to you have to work on yourself. Yep. And so you don't so you don't do, because I was just jamming along and sometimes you get really into it. Mm-hmm. Connecting is 
I think it's a sport in some aspects. It it can get pretty physical for sure. Yeah. So I'm curious. You do teaching. Is that is that music teaching or um not at the Dutch Apple when I when I teach a show like I'm teaching the vocals to the actors and stuff like that. I used to be a music teacher for a middle school. Okay. Um and for that I taught general music which is kind of classroom music and then also the band. So tell me, what is it like teaching to a bu- uh, bunch of middle schoolers? What, are, what <laughs> it'd be very chaotic and very awesome at the same time. Both, yes, yes. very much like the ocean. You don't you don't ever turn your back to it. <laughs> um, no, the the kids were always great. Um, you know, you, you have <laughs> classroom management, especially in an inner city school, uh, becomes crucial, um, and that took a long time for me to learn and kind of find my teaching style. It's kind of similar to a conducting style. You, you got to find what works yeah. for you in the classroom. Um, but it was a, we had a lot of fun and I liked doing, uh, the stuff I, I did with the kiddos and then the band was great. Um, you know, we weren't doing <laughs> major works of art right. or anything, but you know that the elementary school and the middle school is where high school and college musicians develop yeah. and they need, they need the structure and they need to learn those elements to get to the point that people actually see and enjoy the performance that doesn't happen just in high school or college. They need mm-hmm. to grow into that for years and years and years. And and those people who are are teaching kids in elementary school and middle school and high school, those are the true heroes that are often unsung. Yeah, the, I mean, those are you're literally teaching the future generation of artists and all that. No one, no one in the right mind, might I add, uh, decides to go to college for music on a whim. Yeah, no, 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 no one in the right mind does that. Uh, it's it's a process of going going through school. So, what are some tips and tricks or advice that you might give to educators around nowadays? Um, I've been out of the education world for almost fifteen years now. Um, I know a lot has changed since I was in there, and and what the expectations are. the 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 most important thing I think for for music teachers is take the students where they are and push them to where you want them to be. Mm. Um, and be okay with the fact that some are not going to get there. And, you know, the goal is not perfection. The goal is teaching them and instilling the love of music in them so that they can continue forward. Yeah. No, I mean, that's literally, I I agree with you because there's, there's so many people who just tried to hit a standard. Mm Mm-hmm. And but you got to realize each kid is an individual kid. Yeah, and like for me, what I realized is, um, you know, the, oftentimes you kind of come out of college and you're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow this really great band, and we're gonna have great musicians, and and you know they're all gonna go off and and be musicians as a career and stuff like that. And you have to realize it's you know for some people music can be just a hobby, just a hobby. and it's it's a great thing, the ability to play an instrument or read music or. I mean, even if they can't read music, uh, a lot of my general music philosophy was teach them how to appreciate the music that they know and love. Mm. Like, you know, they all come in and they they have music that they like. Why do you like that? You know, that question, I would ask that question to like sixth graders. Okay, what's your favorite kind of music? Well, why? And they they, they look at you kind of like blank face <laughs> for a couple of seconds and then they start coming up with reasons. But that's that's what you're teaching them. Well, why do I love what I love and you know maybe there are some things that they haven't experienced yet that they would also like and that's where you get into kind of teaching them the music history it's not just you know whatever style of music you prefer in the moment but there's all this music that came before that Mm -hmm. influenced it and you know maybe some of them go off and they they become musicians themselves and they start creating a new type of music that combines a lot of things or they just 
you know, appreciate the music for what it is, or they can be exposed to new things um, that they otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to. And that's important too. Yeah. So what's your favorite kind of music? Oh man. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Um, People ask me that question a lot and frankly, it's hard for me to answer now because I do music so much of every day. And you do, I don't tend to listen to a lot of music outside of theater. Yeah. I, you know, on a day where we have a double show, that's at least, you know, five to six hours of listening to music. Just just the show. Right. And then I'm also maybe practicing or doing prep work or rehearsing a show, in which case you're talking anywhere between seven to ten hours of music in a day. And the last thing you want to do after you've been listening to seven to ten hours of music a day is maybe listen to some more music. Um, But I kind of have a pretty eclectic style of things I like, and it depends on my mood. Um, When I'm driving around, you know, I I really love classic rock, 70s, 60s, stuff like that. Um, I used to play in a a band with some friends from college. In fact, I just played with them a couple months ago. It was great to get back with those guys. They were playing a gig, and we did a lot of jam band stuff, so like Fish, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I enjoy that kind of music sometimes. Um, I, I... oftentimes will enjoy rap and hip-hop sometimes just depending on my mood yeah and i grew up loving classics i love opera um really yeah yeah opera was a big thing when i was growing up um classic music in general like classical piano music the classical piano literature um it, it really just depends on my mood and what i'm you know jonesing for in the moment but i i try not to ignore any kind of style of music or write it off because every style has something now some things don't speak to me like they speak to other people that's fine that's why we have our preferences and likes but they're separate genres (laughs) yeah that's exactly right that it's and so important to uh i will always listen to a music piece that someone gives me because it's valuable to them and and you can i learn a lot more from people from the music that they listen to than uh than by a, a short conversation, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. Do you have you grown a love for show music? Oh yeah, for sure. I love Broadway and and theater music. Um, obviously, it would be kind of hard to do this job would, if yes, you didn't it would like. Be hard. Um, like I said, though, in in theater, there's so many different so genres, many different and genres. like so, like um, I would not be prone. Like if I had somebody ask me, you know. If you could only, you know, that that typical, if you could have one out, if you were on a desert island and you could only have one album to mm-hmm. listen to, uh, you know, it wouldn't be Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know that I could answer what it would be. I just know kind of what it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, probably wouldn't be Carousel or Oklahoma or, or South Pacific or any of those. Um, all beautiful shows all have music that I really like, but that would not be the uh, shows that I decide to listen to over and over again. I think I know mine because I'm so limited in my theater experience it would ha- definitely ha- and i just love it on john so it had to be aida oh uh, yeah that's a great score yeah. great have you ever uh done that one i've n- i've seen it i've never music directed it i would be i absolutely even though it's i just love it on john <laughs> what, what, can I <laughs> yeah. say? what else can i say um so i'm curious what it, what are three shows that you could that you should recommend everybody watch um oof <laughs> that's hard uh i think one of those three definitely needs to be one of those gold standard shows 
um, especially if someone's just coming into, you know, getting into seeing musical theater or something like that. Uh, definitely seeing something Rodgers and Hammerstein, Rodgers and Hart, something like that, or even, you know, My Fair Lady, Camelot, any of any of those kind of shows. Just get one of those shows under your belt because um, those shows, there are timeless. some beautiful moments. Yeah. There are some beautiful, timeless moments, and thematically the shows are great. Um, you know, there's a lot of shows now that have, have modern issues attached to them. Right. Um, so you kind of have to be aware of that, but, and, you know, understand a piece for what it is and when it was written and who wrote it. Um, so definitely, you know, get one of those shows under your belt. And if you can see some of those shows, definitely see them. Um, definitely see a show, uh, from like the 70s through 90s ish area. Um, just, so you get an idea of like where music kind of went mm. in that time period and how theater really started to develop. And that's where theater really started spreading its wings in terms of different styles and different interpretations of how music theater works. Um, and then, you know, see something more modern, see like a Hamilton, uh, see a newer show. Some of these newer shows are, are fantastic. Okay. I saw Hades town a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, if you can see a show live, Hades Town. Hades Town. If that because it's on tour right now, I think it's still on Broadway, but it's definitely on tour. See Hades Town. His uh, voice, Hades. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that, so regardless of who good. does the show, that the the get yourself the album. It's it's great. Um, the only other thing I would say before you go see a show, do your homework. Oh. Like know what the show is about. Yeah, <laughs> and know what the show isn't. Um, a lot of times, especially like these Disney musicals, uh, Little Mermaid, you know, it's it's the story of the movie. I mean, it's the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but th- there's extra there's, sh- extra stuff, there's extra stuff in the in the stage show. And there's there's sisters in this one. Right, right. Sure. Yeah. And there's there's stuff that's in the stage show that's not in the movie. And there's stuff in the movie that's not in the stage show. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while you'll and that, that goes for any kind of show. Um, you'll have customers. Oh, I can't believe they didn't do this. Or I, what is this? I don't remember this from the movie. And you know, it's not the so, movie. <laughs> so you know, it's it's important to recognize the piece of art in front of you for what it is. Right. Um, but yeah, Hades Town is definitely one I would suggest. But any any kind of modern musical that you can find right now, some of the stuff they're doing is just brilliant. Like Six, the musical is is a big one right now. That's the Six Wives of uh, Henry the Eighth. Oh yeah, it's that's real. The music is really cool. It's it's great. Um, is it Paradise Square that the um, that it's just closing on Broadway for a number of reasons having nothing to do with the artistic value of the right. show. Um, but th- some of the shows that are coming out now, especially the ones that are are newly written and not just like a juke, uh, even the jukebox music. There's the new Michael Jackson musical MJ. Um, yeah. I, I haven't seen it or heard it really, but I, I heard it's great. Is that what a jukebox musical is? Yeah. So a jukebox musical is when they kind of take, uh, the catalog of a specific individual and use that to write a show. And sometimes that show is like a, a bio show. Right. So we actually just finished up a tour of the Donna Summer musical. It's called Summer, the Donna Summer musical. Um, <laughs> it went all over the country, um, and it's the the music of Donna Summer, and it tells the story of her life. And there's three women who play Donna in different stages of life. So you have a, a young Donna, right. who's the duckling, and then you have the diva Donna, who is like, you know, the, 
the fierce Donna from like her earlier years once she's really established. And then you have, um, or I'm sorry, that's the disco Donna from her disco years. And then you have the older Donna, the diva Donna, who is, is, you know, kind of dealing with, you know, her kids growing up and, and family passing away and her own cancer and things like that. Mm. Um, but it's a beautiful show and the music's great. Um, it, it, jukebox shows tend to have their difficulties because, you know, you can't, especially when you're dealing with fans of that specific person, you can't please, like, oh, I can't believe they didn't use this song or why would they use that song? Or the voice. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, the voice isn't exactly the same as whatever. Um, but th- there's... That's not the point, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. I mean, you have to, and that's, you know, artistically when they're designing these shows, those are always considerations. Are we looking for someone to replicate the sound or are we looking to, to honor, yeah, yeah, honor the honor the story and the life? Gotcha. So, ju- okay, that makes a lot more sense. The jukebox musicals are kind of like uh, for, like the Elton John, Ro- the Rocket Man movie that came out, yeah, or yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, and there's there's other jukebox musicals that are, are um, Smokey Joe's is a good example. It's the music of Lieber and Stoller, like on Broadway stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and there's there's not really there there's a story kind of a little light story involved, but it's more just the music and sequences. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and those shows are, are great too. There's another show that we did at the Dutch Apple a few years ago called Swing, which is a ton of different swing dance numbers. Um, again, there's there's light elements of story, but some of that is up to the director too, where they want to go with the story, but it's mostly about the music and mm-hmm. the dancing. So how do you decide music for, or how do you decide shows for the, how does that happen at the Dutch Apple Theater? Uh, so the show selection process is often a year or two in the making. Um, so you guys already planned out. Yeah, we're we yeah. we twenty twenty three is already in the books and selling. Um, I don't know if we've announced it publicly yet, but definitely for our season subscribers, it's been announced. Um, you can check that out at DutchApple dot com. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but the the producer and the artistic director um, and the uh, chief operating officer that deals with finances and, and kind of management, they all kind of get together first and they, they talk through, you know, what are some things that we want to do? What are some things we want to bring back? Mm. Are there any new shows on the market that we could kind of get and, and do uh, right off the bat? Um, just because we're starting to have a reputation for kind of taking shows as regional premieres too, which is really cool. Like the first sh- the, you know, oh, the first gotcha. time a show you know, coming off of a tour or Broadway gets to get produced in a certain area locally. Um, That's cool. So those are all things they look at. And then, you know, the artistic team gets together, like costumes and lights and sound and, you know, set design and, you know, who's going to do what and what are we looking for and budgeting and all that kind of thing. And all that kind of discussion happens. And then they they come up with a season that they think will sell really well. uh, And then they go about the process of getting the rice and marketing it. So what are some upcoming shows for, for you guys that you can talk about? Uh, the rest of the season, uh, coming up next, we have a production of Chicago. Um, and then after Chicago, we're doing Saturday Night Fever. And then our winter show is going to be Elf. Which one are you most excited for? <laughs> uh, Elf is really fun. <laughs> um, Chicago is... That's that's another show that if people it's are a yeah, yeah people are looking to get into music theater I seen that one I, that's it's such a great show um, I actually music directed that before at um, at EPAC mm-hmm. we did a production of that many many years ago 
Um, and that it's a joy to conduct that show. It's a really a lot of fun. I'm sure. Um, Saturday Night Fever is one of those that's you know probably not on the top of my list of shows to do, uh, but it's a it's a good show and people love the movie and the 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 show definitely it it's not exactly like the movie but it's enough like the movie that it's fun. Right. It's it's always funny. Um, there's like three different Beauty of the Beasts. Right. There's the there's the two movie versions and then there's like the the musical and mm-hmm. I have to say the musical is my favorite. Yeah. Out of all of them. Yeah. Oh, Beauty and the Beast is a, a we just did that uh was that 2 years ago now? I, I think about 2 years ago just coming off of the um uh big covid shutdowns that happened. Um I actually didn't get to music direct that one cuz I had the winter before I had taken a fall down some stairs and broke oh, no. a tendon in my right hand or broke a tendon uh, partial tear. Right. Oh. Um, so I was kind of sidelined for a few months. Um, and I had some wonderful people that I hired to kind of take over my chair in the, in the pit and do all that. Um, but I actually ran lights and sound for a bit mm. for the show. And that's one that uh, it was, that was really fun to be in the back of the house and do all the mics and lights and all that kind of stuff for it. I wouldn't say relax cause I was having right, a nervous right, breakdown every time oh, okay. <laughs> because remember I would, uh, I mean, you don't really train to be a, a theater music director. Uh, there are some right. programs now in colleges that do train you for that, and it's definitely something you can get a, a advanced degree in. Um, but I definitely wasn't trained in lights and sound. That that I all had to kind of get picked up. Um, sound I had some experience with just from being industry. in the industry. Uh, but lights, uh, our poor lighting designer, Russell Thompson, had to babysit me. <laughs> through a lot of questions and concerns and hey this isn't turning on what do i do <laughs> and he's based in florida so it'd be like phone calls and text messages flying oh, back wow. and forth and i'm like i don't get how this works um but it was a lot of fun and i learned a lot during that good so you also did you also sent off tours yeah mm-hmm. how do how do you do that <laughs> oh that very carefully um <laughs> so the tours you know often they'll they'll rehearse um either somewhere in New York or they'll rehearse at the Dutch Apple locally. Um, a lot of times we try to get the tour to kind of either start or end at one of the theaters just so that we have kind of a launching off point and we can kind of back in. Um, but my responsibilities for those are very much more in the contracting and supervising department than the actual music direction. Gotcha. Um, because I do not go out on the road with the tour. Um, that just because I'm resident to the Dutch Apple. I need Mm -hmm. to stay there and control things there. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's a lot of fun too. Those are often much more crazy in terms of all the coordination that needs to happen, getting people music, contracting people for, you know, a nine month or six month stint, sometimes longer, um, making sure they're getting to where they need to go and, and all that kind of thing and have what they need to be successful and, and have fun. Awesome. Well, we're kind of running our our radio time. So we're, we're going to play a song. Um, for, uh, one of my songs is a song I wrote two years ago talking about the pandemic. And, or, well, not really talking about the pandemic, but the pandemic was happening. And uh, I just, everything was shutting down. And I, I started to realize, uh, as a Christian, it's only God that remains, mm-hmm. uh, truly. So with, with, and we'll, after that, we'll be right back to talk more stuff. I hope you guys enjoy You Remain by Me. When I am weak, can no longer speak, 
That was my song, You Remain. Wait, if you want to check out the Dutch Apple, please be sure to check them out on their website, thedutchapple.com. And we will... You good? Yeah, okay. I'm good. All right, so we're going we're gonna to 
go off the radio and we'll we will talk more. Please be sure to follow us on this on Instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast or check us out on Facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. That's C O R Y R O S E N. You can check out us on all streaming platforms and YouTube coming up soon. If you want to check out all of our but if you but if you want to check out all of our events and upcoming guests, please do be sure to tune into our Facebook. There you can find all upcoming guests for the next week or so. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and we'll get you guys back to the music.